You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hey everyone, it's Luke Hector. I am back, and yes, now sorry about last time, where the uh, shall we say the audio was not perfect. Um, I realized I didn't actually learn anything about audio settings when it came to using OBS, and so I didn't have any audio filters on. I had no compression, no noise suppression, no nothing. I just dived straight in and paid the consequence. In fact, I think I even had two microphones recording at the same time, which meant I got that blurry effect. Thankfully, some people in the board game reviewers and media group have very kindly given me some tips. I've watched some YouTube tutorials, and now this audio should sound a lot better. You know, I should be, shall we say, in a better vocal state than last time. So hopefully that's good for you. So I'm somewhat high as a kite these days, other than when I'm working, because that is pretty boring. But uh, as you can see, my hair. My hair looks normal. It looks, oh my God. Finally, I got a haircut on Monday and I am over the moon that finally my hair is in a state where I can kind of go, oh, I don't have to get like mounds of paste and just go all over my hair and try and get it into one state. Now I can have it short and spiky subject to, uh, you know, headphones messing it up. But, oh, it is such a godsend to have my hair in normal state. So what's the idea of this podcast? Well, I hope you enjoyed my episode zero anyway, despite the dodgy audio. And I hope you're enjoying what I've done with refreshing the video channel as well. You'll have probably been able to see that recently I put up a a video about uh, 10 smaller board game content creators you should support because I get the annoyances with every the elitism that we have in the industry at the moment where it's always the same big people that get talked about all the time. I wanted to give some love to smaller creators. I mean, I'm one of them. And so I did a video where I just did 10, uh, you know, 10 of them and it's gone a little bit viral for what I normally do. I mean, not in terms of views. I'm still only 1,500 views. You know, it's nothing great. But... I essentially, uh, the the response has been more than positive. I mean, I thought if this is popular enough, I'll do another video. And I kind of need more views to justify it because it was quite a long video to do. But in terms of positivity, I mean, I'm not going to show you all of them. But on Facebook, there was a lot of threads. But on Twitter, I mean, I've had the, the people I talked about come back to me. I've had, uh, you know, happy tears, y'all. This is so nice of you. Uh, here we go super encouraging boosts like Meeple Town. I talked about them. They actually hit a milestone because of a small boost that I gave them from the video. Uh, the Hexy Beasts got in touch. Uh, where, where have we got there? You know, loads of people sort of liking the tweet initially. Where have we got? Uh, even like Things Get Dicey liked it as well. Just trying to find this. But here we go. Glory Hound. I talked about her. And so, you know, she retweeted it and liked the boost. And so did a few of the others. I mean, it's I'm so glad that it touched a lot of people and got that positive thing going. You know, Ryan and Bethany uh, board games. You know, they they actually Ryan actually got in touch with me after liking the post on Facebook. And you know, hopefully we might once I get this sorted, I might be able to do a stream with them in the future. So if you want to see me actually get some 
some of the smaller creators on my show just to talk about board games in general or do listen at whether it's on the podcast or maybe even live streaming let me know i'll be uh, interested to sort of learn that and try and get that down to a t but yeah, I mean, I'm loving what I'm doing with this video podcast, the, not video podcast, sorry, the actual channel at the moment, you know, it, the the quality with that Sigma lens and the bokeh effect and the new music and stuff I'm doing, all those title bars, it does extend the time to edit. It is taking me at least like several hours to edit each video, but it just seems to sound a lot better. I mean, let's see if you can hear this. On this video, I'm gonna tell you about 10 content creators on YouTube who you may not have otherwise considered for your viewing pleasure. We talk about the big leagues all the time. It's time to look at some of the smaller channels and see whether there's a diamond in the rough or a hidden gem that you've otherwise been missing out on. I do like that song, I must admit. I came across that completely by accident and I just, fell in love with it and decided I wanted it as the intro, even scrapping the previous one. But enough about that, let's talk about this podcast. So I'm going to get on to virtual cons and grid con a bit later, but for now, a few little updates. Uh, firstly, finally, the isolation is starting to let up a little bit so I can actually like go and do stuff. In fact, last uh, Wednesday, in fact, let's just turn the screen share off a bit for now. So on uh, what was it last Sunday uh, a Portsmouth Dice Portsmouth Cafe finally opened up so I could finally go and play some games that weren't restricted to online modes and so four of us including somebody who was a little you know a friend of mine who's a bit more wary about being out in public because of COVID you know came along and Dice Portsmouth did a great job at the isolation I mean we were on my sponsored table which is a not a Geekerson table, but it's a similar style big table. Four of us, one on each end, no bar service, all table service, all the staff had masks on, the capacity was taken down, there was alcohol gel everywhere for hand sanitization, and if you got a discount, if you brought your own games to play, which I always do anyway. So there was perfectly adequate measures in there. But to be able to say, I'd like a meal out, I'd like a sandwich, I'm gonna have a cider, and here's some games I've bought, let's play. Believe me, I have been missing this sense of normality for so long, and it's not that I'm getting fed up with online gaming, I mean, I still like playing board games online, but there's a lot of restrictions, and you know, especially with my clubs, you know, most people that I club with don't have Tabletop Simulator. They barely even have Tabletopia. So they're restricted to Board Game Arena and I can't play the same four or five games on Board Game Arena all the time, especially when they're usually the, the high luck ones like Six Nimit and, you know, Ink and Gold and Base Set Seven Wonders. And it's like, come on, let me play something different. But it was great. So I took people along and I'm not going to go into too much detail over the games I played, but I got some plays of Tang Garden done, which after playing the solo mode in the next couple of days, I'm going to do a review for that. So you should get the video for that on Wednesday, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to essentially like time it so that there's a, a video every Wednesday and a podcast every Sunday. If I can do that, then it's consistent. You know when I'm going to release content. And then if I knew, if I do decide to release extra content, I can. But at least I will keep that consistent Wednesday and Sunday format to spread it out through the week. And hopefully that will do well for you lot. But Tank Garden is pretty solid so far. I mean, I enjoy the game, but it does have some graphic design and ease of play issues that do mar it a bit, despite the fact that it looks really good. But more detail when I do the video review. Uh, I also 
taught uh, two people on the underground on the underground by Ludi creations still love that game it's gonna be somebody asked me if it was going to be an evergreen i think it will be it is such a simple game to teach it's not a, a difficult game to play but it has so much tactical wealth depth within it and you've got two maps they're going to release two more maps soon you know, there'll be a paris and new york one i believe they're done and they could just carry on doing it but you are learning about as many rules as there are in Ticket to Ride, maybe slightly more. And then the actual operation of the game is not particularly tricky. You know, you have, you've got your passenger, right? So I spend four action points on laying tracks or getting switch tokens. Passenger moves based on the structure. That's it. And you get points for certain connections. It's really simple, but I, I get a kick out of it. Free player is a sweet spot. Four players, okay. Never play it with five. But honestly, if you've not tried on the underground, Try it, the new reprint. And then finally, I got the crew to the table again. This is the, the very small, uh, shall we say, trick-taking co-op game. It's really ingenious, and it's won a few awards for things like innovation and co-op games last year, particularly in the Dice Tower Awards. Um, more on that in another podcast episode, I think. But it's a really solid co-op trick-taking game. You and the rest of the players, you know, you you do trick-taking as in normal. So you play a card, you've got to follow suit, there's a trump, etc. But you have these different missions with objectives that say that certain players have got to win certain cards and certain tricks. And they go up in levels of difficulty, but it just makes for a really interesting game because I hate the game and the mind. I have said this many a time, I hate that I want to crush them in my hands, crush the cardboard. But... I hate the idea that it's silent communication and with games like The Mind, it's just a luck fest. I mean, you could sit there in silence all you like and talk about, ooh, I, I deciphered the body language. But no, I'm sorry. It's a guessing game. It's it's rubbish. I hate it. Garbage. One out of ten. But the reason the crew gets my vote, because even though it's silent communication, is because it's a trick-taking game which you can make educated decisions on. Yes, sometimes you have to gamble, but you have ideas. You know that there's an even distribution of cards. You know what cards are being played, even though they're face down, so you've got to remember a little bit so you don't have perfect information. But you can make decisions thinking, right, hang on, he just played that, which means he's run out of greens. So that means if I play a green, if I play a green now, he's not going to win the trick, but I need him to win the two greens. So if I play my one green, I know you've got the two green in your hand, therefore you'll play the two, he'll play a dud card, and we win the trick. It's stuff like that. You make those sort of decisions, and you can do that. Yes, it takes practice, and yes, it will take time, but it's not just a complete guest fest. But, you know, the crew's a really solid little game. I I don't think it's going to blow your mind, but I certainly recommend giving it a try. But on top of that, I just felt so good that I was back in familiar territory to go, oh yes, I feel at home. My Dice Cafe is back and I'm certainly going to try and get back to doing Wednesday meetups there. Now I can't take the entire club back to Portsmouth because of COVID restrictions, but I should still be able to get four of us there while the rest of them sit around on Board Game Arena online. You know, there are some people that can't get online, so I'll take those three or four people to the club and we should be okay. And at least I'll be able to teach some games I want to play. But I also felt that, you know what, I've missed you guys so much, I decided to buy a little game. So I've bought this, Lady and the Tiger. Some of you might recognize it from a year or two ago, but, uh, you know, for me, it's fairly recent that I came across it. But 
I don't know how easy it is to get hold of. I think there's a couple of stores that have got it, but I got it for £14, less 5% discount at Dice Portso. So it's like £13 something, which I think is the cheapest you can actually get this game for. And they have got a retail site. So if you want a copy, uh, check out Dice Portsmouth. You'll be able to probably get it. But this is, a, this is what I like about small little games. It's essentially five games in one, and they all reside around 18 cards with beautiful artwork. And you've got a couple of two players, a couple of group ones, and the one that I have tried properly before I bought this, the solo mode. A solo little puzzle where you're moving these beads around on the cards to try and get them off and, and solve the puzzle that way. But it's such a nice little casual game. It's just cheap as chips. The artwork is beautiful, even if the beads aren't exactly uh, much cop. But yeah, like I say, these beads are uh, mm, a little bit basic in this edition. But I love the artwork on these cards. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I can only describe it so much, but it's like vibrant reds and blues as well as, you know, some neutral ones. But you've got these really nice like tigers and lady pictures and it's just very beautiful, very beautiful. But for £14, for a game that's essentially five games in one, multiple player counts and basically, you know, cheapest chips for £13. I don't think I could go wrong with that. So I look forward to getting that played. Don't think it will get a full review because it will take me a while to get all the types of games played, but I should be able to at least comment on it on the podcast and see what it's like. And I think I need a drink. I forgot to mention, yes, I always have a tea or coffee nearby when I do one of these. Ah, good coffee. Today's episode, what have we got here? Bellaram, Bellaram Decaf Blend. This is a my equivalent of a cheap coffee is just like I got it in Lidl's and it's just grounded already. But essentially, I, I filter my coffee. I do V60 filters or I do AeroPress. So I try and serve it better. But I do have bean coffee downstairs. I've got a bag and I've just ordered a subscription and a couple of other bags. So I'm going to have a lot of bean coffee soon. And I've got plenty of tea bags now. I've got a lot of coffee. But this was kind of the cheapo, I just need a coffee really quickly bag. And it's almost empty. So as soon as I'm done with that, I'll resort to just beans. But uh not a bad one. It's quite dark, quite a rich roast, but uh, decaf as I am trying to keep my caffeine levels down. So, uh, Kickstarter. Well, I don't tend to report on Kickstarter much, but people have asked me to sort of give comments every now and again. So I will have a show you here while I go back to onto show screen. Here we go. So there's two Kickstarters I'm interested in at the moment. The first one is this Perseverance Castaway Chronicles by Mind Clash. You can't see it in the picture at the moment, but people know that I've got a thing for Mind Clash. I have Anachrony, I have Cerebria, and Tricarion, all deluxe, all complete, all Kickstarters, all like really good games. Right, fix that little microphone problem. Apparently my microphone cut out halfway through my podcast recording. So the second half of this episode, I'm repeating. So yeah. Oh well, at least it's fresh in my mind. But as I was saying, Perseverance Mind Clash. Now, I have played this recently. I played it the other night, and I know Tabletopia is the the longest, most arduous way to play a game at the moment, but you know, it did take a long time to finish, and the teaching took even longer. It was like, wow, this is going to take up my entire evening. But, you know, I like the idea of this theme, where you're human surviving in an area. It's kind of like, you know, I suppose Jurassic Park without the park. but you're surviving with all these dinosaurs everywhere and it's two standalone games so the first one has you like dealing with an onslaught of dinosaurs the second one has you exploring and finding out more about 
the local area and other di- and capturing dinosaurs. So they're both meaty games, and I've only played episode two, but I enjoyed it. I've got some reservations about some of the die luck in it and some of the balancing, but overall, ignoring the length because I know it takes longer online, I thought it was quite thinky. It's got a good theme attached to it, and there's a lot of options for how to play the game. $135 for the detailed one. To be honest, you do get quite a fair bit in that extra amount compared to the retail version. So if I do go for this, and I'm going to need some more plays in order to do it, I probably will get this in a deluxe form. But, uh, you know, I want the miniatures. I don't want these little standees. I want proper miniatures, proper insert, proper box, and should be pretty sweet. And it'll be interesting to see how this goes, but I am a bit concerned that this whole Chronicles thing with episode one, two, three, and four is going to be a pipe dream to see if anybody will have a regular enough group to play through all three or four of these things. I just, I'm a little bit worried. This one though, I'll be surprised if I don't back this one. I mean, I want to find out a bit more first, but Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning from AEG. It's card crafting. What more do you want? I like card crafting. You've seen my review of Edge of Darkness. You know what I think of Mystic Veil. It's card crafting. Pirate theme, I can take or leave, but having a cube tower, which is basically a ship, you drop cubes in it with this uh, interesting cinematic combat thing. It's card crafting. I'm probably going to be backing this one because I do love this mechanic. And so far, all the games that have used it have been at least decent. There was a trick-taking one that I wasn't that cool on, but, uh, you know, Mystic Veil and Edge of Darkness loved a bit. So here's hoping that this one will be similar as well. And for $109 for an all-inclusive thing plus shipping, not too bad, not too bad. But both of these are going to take until 2021 to arrive, so it's splashing money for the long term, I guess. And also with this, there's no guarantee it will hit retail. So certainly AEG have had a habit of not doing retail pledges for these. So I would be somewhat, you know, wanting to be wary as to whether this will turn up in the shops if you don't back it. But uh, I'm interested to see how this one will go. So, fair enough. Alright, so on to the main event for the second time going here, Gridcon. I went to Gridcon, I attended the event, and this is hosted by Paul Grogan of Gaming Rules. If you don't know who Paul Grogan is in the gaming world, then you must be very new to the industry. He basically does a lot of videos, a lot of live streaming, and he's kind of like the rulebook editor of your dreams when it comes to learning a meaty game. But he hosts a convention each year, twice a year, and it used to be invite only, now it's a proper convention. And I've been to a couple of them already, and they were very entertaining. You got there, everybody was friendly, simple, just go up, play games, and that's about it. Nice and simple. In Devon, so it's down closer to my neck of the woods, in the Somerset area where I'm from, and, you know, that it was all really good. But recently, we, in late June, did virtual Gridcom. So this is, there's no craze now where conventions have been cancelled for this year. I've lost all my entertainment, so now I can't even... You know, go to Essen or Midgard. I wanted to go to Iceland so bad. I have to wait till next year. Manicon, no UK Games Expo. All of these conventions being cancelled. And now, as a result, it basically means, oh, well, that means I'm going to have to, uh, shall we say, deal with these virtual cons. Now, they are good. I think overall they're good. But one thing I will say about virtual conventions is that there is no substitute for face-to-face human interaction. Don't necessarily shake hands and hug and all that lot, but just being able to pick up 
pieces, manipulate them, throw dice properly, and talk to people to their face. There's no substitute for that. But there are some c the pros to virtual cons, though. Enough to make me go, yeah, you know what? These are a good idea and a good substitute for, you know, current settings at the moment. So at least it's a, a better way of doing this. So what you've got with this is what, what advantages do you have? There's certainly advantages from an exhibitor point of view because exhibitors can basically show off all their stuff, show off their games on live streams. They can just put up a 60 minute, 30 minute live stream video of them showing off going, look at this game, look at this game, we've got this. And uh, you know, some of them might be two and a half hours of a playthrough. So you can watch the game being played on YouTube. Okay, pretty easy. I mean, that's certainly cheaper than buying a booth at the expo and trying to set up all the decorations and that when you can get the similar amount of information out just by doing internet. And on that note of being cheaper, virtual cons are obviously cheaper for the punters as well because you don't leave the house. <laughs> you know, you don't have any cost of travel or any cost of hotels. You just basically hook up to your PC and laptop and play. That's essentially the deal. Not exactly difficult to do that. And if you want alcohol, then just go to your local off-license and go grab some. You know, you don't have to worry about bar prices. So certainly, if you want a cost-effective way to meet people, this is a pretty good one to do. So the whole format of a virtual convention is basically a Discord server where you've got different chat rooms as well as table chat rooms and everybody just goes in there and via a Google Sheet or some other means you basically put in what games you want to teach, what you want to play, the players and everything and that's usually all you need and it's pretty solid when you do it that way so it, it just... It means that people can just meet up and play whatever game they feel like while also trying to, you know, beat new people. But of course, one slight caveat with that is that you're hoping that the people you meet, because they're probably going to be randoms, as in you've never met them before, you're just meeting them for games. Hopefully they're nice people because you've got no face-to-face -face contact, no body language, you literally just have a voice at the end of a microphone. And secondly, you hope they've got good audio in the first place because I've got a proper microphone that I can hook up. And I did. I hooked this one up and I was teaching with it. Now, some people might literally just have a bare bones laptop and a webcam and they're doing the audio through the computer, like the worst way to do it. And so you got to hope that they've got good enough audio to be able to talk back to you because otherwise it can really put a bit of a downer on the whole experience particularly and i hate it when i come across people like this in fact the perseverance tutor had this where push to talk is apparently not a thing with them or their microphone is so sensitive that not only can you hear them tapping away on a keyboard you can also hear everything that the wife is making in the kitchen behind them every now and again it just keeps cutting in intermittently it's like i don't care what your wife's making you for dinner if she's going to make me spaghetti carbonara then great but otherwise you know, shut your microphone off or hand me some of that pasta. You know, that's basically the deal I'm going to give you. So at least they were able to get uh, teachings from me in good clarity. And some of them actually did go on the Facebook page for GridCon and you know, Virtual GridCon and, you know, give me some thanks, which I was very grateful for. But certainly I've got the microphone, not necessarily everybody else has. But continuing with the whole games front, this is the con that's probably one of the bigger cons of a virtual convention, the selection of games available. Now this is improving with time and if you have Tabletop Simulator, you're gonna have a good decent selection of games. But the problem is, is that not everybody has Tabletop Simulator. 
Not everybody is okay with how it works. It's got a bit of a learning curve to it. Now, I will never go back. I used to think, oh yeah, Tabletopia is really cool. I like it. Now it's starting to irk me more and more. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Tabletop Simulator is far better, but I had to learn that. And obviously I got it for 15 quid and then it went on half price. And it's like, God damn it. But at least now I've got it and it's great, but not everybody has. So if they are resorting to something like Yukata or Board Game Arena, your selection of games is going to be very, very limited. Tabletop, sorry, Tabletopia will unlock a few more ideas, but of course you've got to get used to that interface. It's a very slow process. I mean, it is much slower playing games on Tabletopia than it is on Tabletop Simulator, in my opinion. But Tabletop Simulator does have a decent library of games, even though a lot of them are unofficial mods. So they're going to be based on the person who created them. And in my case, I was able to teach Architects of the West Kingdom, Vindication, Terramara, Polestar 2849, and Dale of Merchants. All of them are games I love. I love these games. They're like, most of them are 10 out of 10s and one of them's a nine. But I got to choose those via Tabletop Simulator. Like, I want to play these games. I want to play them. I can't play them in real life. So let me find some good scripted setups. Definitely find a good scripted setup. And was able to teach these games. Now, if you don't have that, then you're restricted on the rest of the games, but most of the really popular stuff is on Tabletop Simulator, if not Tabletopia. So you should be able to find a game to play. It's not like you'll be completely devoid of choice, but if you don't have either of those two platforms, you're really restricting what you're gonna play, particularly throughout a convention. Now, games do take an extra 30 to 45 minutes per game, it seems, to play online, particularly with Tabletopia and Simulator, so you're not going to get as many games played during a convention, but you should be able to get some decent ones played. Now, in terms of what I was teaching, uh, Architects of the West Kingdom, the my favourite so far of the trilogy, in terms of you know playing through the... West Kingdom trilogy, although I have played Viscounts once recently. That was really cool, although I'm going to wait for another podcast episode to talk more about that in detail. Uh, but Architects, still love, taught it with the expansion. There's a great scripted setup for it. And I taught complete noobs who barely knew the game and taught it with the expansion just fine. Vindication, I love this game. It's weird, but I get a lot of theme out of it, even though it's essentially pushing cubes around a board. But for some reason, I just get engrossed in the story I'm telling with those cards. Like, am I a Tomb Raider? Am I going out and killing monsters? Am I just getting a posse of companions? Do I have a petting zoo, effectively? Did I go upgrade my mount to ride Mothra? And I just really enjoy that one. Check out my video review and you'll see me, like, you know, going googly-eyed like a schoolboy talking about this game. Terramara, one of my favorite Euro games out now. It's just, it's a it's not necessarily giving you much new in terms of its theme. I mean, you're you're building up villagers, resource management, buying cards that get you cool abilities, but you've got different paths to victory and that modular board where the action boards flip over as you go through and the action spaces, you've got lots to pick from, but if you send them further afield, they're more powerful, but then you have the problem that you don't get the worker back until a later round. It just works so smoothly, and I love that game. It needs more buzz. Uh, Pulsar 2849, the ultimate exception to my rule. This is a bone-dry point salad. Why do I love this game? Because point salads I do like. I do like the idea of having a lot of options, but this is incredibly streamlined, 
and just gives you so many options. There's loads of different ways that you can go about playing it. And, you know, the tech trees are vast and different. You can ignore certain aspects entirely and still do well. But it just seems, I think the fact that it is so silky smooth and the choices you make with the dice, just drafting the dice in the first place are really important, even though you're only using so many dice in the game. And I have had the last, in fact, the game I played, we ended on a tiebreaker. A point salad ended on a tiebreaker. Not kidding, we were that close. And then Dale of Merchants, uh, Sammy Lasko, uh, Snowdale Design. If you love deck builders, this is one you've got to check out. The animal folk with the cute artwork is your, you, your deck building in a normal fashion, except that the card you buy goes into your hand. That's always different. And also, the it's a race. You don't get victory points. So, I mean, you could argue it's first eight points. But no, you're, you're building these stools in front of you using cards. But it's a race to build the eighth stool. So instant finish. No, like, do equal turns and then count up points. On top of that, you've got the problem that the cards in your deck are useful for their value and their abilities. But once they go into a stool, that's it. They're done. There are some funky ways you can get them out with different animal factions, of which there's a ton of them now. You know, he's already just kickstarted the third set. I've got the two sets before it and the collector's box, and I will get the third set on retail because the Kickstarter plus shipping wasn't worth it. But I'll wait for it to come out on retail and then I'll grab it then. At least hopefully it will come out on retail, otherwise I've made a critical error. But you know, loved it, and the official mod on Tabletop Simulator is really good. So there are the games that work well on Tabletop Simulator work very well, as long as you've got the good voice and you're willing to put a bit of extra time into actually doing it. But overall, I do like virtual cons. They're here to stay. I mean, COVID has changed the face of the world as we know it. And this whole year is basically going to be virtual conventions. If we're lucky, we'll be able to go to a convention at the end of the year, November time, but I'm not going to put money on it. So for the rest of this year, we've got to deal with these virtual conventions, and I think they'll do fine. I'm not going to do every single one, but I'll do as many as I can. But I certainly want to get to my local game cafe more often to play some games face-to-face. -face. But next year, what's it going to be like? Are we going to get hybrids? Are we going to get conventions which are part online, part in face-to-face? If so, I'm still going to opt for the face-to-face -face option, you know, because at the end of the day, I want that interaction and I want to get more games played, which you can do quicker in real life and just have that atmosphere, which you won't get online. There's no sense of atmosphere when you're sat at your PC screen talking to people and playing a game. No, but when you're at a convention and you see everything that's going on around you and you order a pint from the bar and it, it just feels it, you get immersed a lot better. I mean, this is me with theme again. I suspect a lot of the people who like dry games are happy with online gaming, but me, I want that thematic experience of being there in person. But will we ever get face-to-face -face conventions again for a while? Hopefully next year. Most of these conventions are postponed until 2021, and we can only hope that uh, COVID calms down a little bit so that we can go to these conventions, not have ridiculous amounts of restrictions, and get life back to some kind of normality. But uh, yeah, we're just going to have to do it. But I'm happy with virtual cons. I'll just pick face-to-face -face over a virtual if they give me the option. Unless it involves traveling all the way to the USA, in which case I might make the exception on that because the cost of going to the US is somewhat prohibitive for me, as much as I would love to visit Dice Tower West at some point in the future. So I think I'm going to wrap up there because, frankly, I'm getting a sore throat because I have done this podcast effectively twice in one sitting. 
But uh, yeah, if you like what you hear on the podcast, then by all means, leave a good review on whatever platform you're listening to and be free. feel free to share the content online on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, if you want to support the channel even more, then check out the Patreon. I'm up to around $150 a month at the moment, which is paying for overheads quite nicely. I've had some very generous new Patreons sign up recently and they get thank you shout outs on my, um, sorry, on my video videos that I do if they're at a certain level but otherwise you can submit Q&As for the podcast you'll be able to submit your ideas for top 10 lists and Patreon choices but the main thing I really want to do is well get the next bit of content out but really get onto streaming in terms of videos I'm going to do a Tang Garden review soon and then get on with the top 100 as well as possibly a review for Project Elite but podcast next time will be the Jeremy Howard podcast where I just chat with him for Man vs. Meeple for ages. And I might have to do that as two separate episodes because they were really long, but we'll have to see. I think the editing is going to be quite painful. So maybe I'll do two episodes just so I can space it out. But as I was about to say, streaming. I am going to do a stream. Some point in July, I will do a live stream. It will just be a Q&A test drive. I will have OBS. I'll have this microphone, the webcam, 60 frames per second maybe, and I will stream it live. You can just ask me questions. I will tinker around with OBS and just have fun with it. I may even try to point a camera down at a table and see what happens if I was to play something like maybe Lady in the Water live, but it will basically be a test run so I can get used to live chat, moderating and all that. And if that goes well, then fantastic. I'll do more streams in the future. And I'm thinking that with the top 100 that I want to do, not just the, I mean, I'll, I'll probably do this with, I was thinking of doing the BGG top 100 on the podcast, but I'm thinking, no, if I can get streaming done well and they're easy enough for me to put out, because at the end of the day, I just have to sit still and press record, then I might do more streams, in which case I'll be able to do a streaming where I go through the Board Game Geek top 100 and give my views on it. But I'll also be able to do my own top 100 because trying to do 10 full length top 10 videos in the new format I've got will kill me stone dead because it used to kill me stone dead nearly in previous years. And now the quality is improved. It would just be impossible for me to do. There's no way I could do it. But if I do it with live streaming, then I could have the Board Game Geek page open. I mean, I could easily just basically go, right, I'm going to talk about my number 98 is so-and-so game and through this game I did this you know I mean I should be able to just show you on the screen talk about it show you images and I reckon that will do better because everything's on the screen to see and I think it'll work but let me know if that's something that you'd be interested in you know you want to see more streams do these topics sound good for a live stream when I do my test one, are you going to turn up and you know wish me luck? You know, that would be appreciated. But I need to figure out how to schedule them and all that. I'm still a bit new, but hopefully I'll be able to really kickstart them in the near future. So that's it for me. I'm going to rest my voice, play some computer games, and shall we say maybe watch some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But first, I need dinner. Badly. So hopefully the audio recorded this time, because if I have to do this a third time tonight, I will cry. But... Hopefully you like you like the audio and the visual quality of these podcasts and just take care, stay safe and I'll see you on the next show. For now, remember, it's only a game.